Welcome back to Wood Chats, a Forest and Wood Products Australia podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Georgia. As our Wood Chatters are probably aware, lots of exciting things are happening in Australia and beyond when it comes to the fusion of forestry and technology. That's right. From genomics to airborne sensors, from satellites to driverless vehicles, all the way through to artificial intelligence, the ingenuity of scientists is making our forests smarter, healthier and more productive. In this episode of Woodchat, we provide a roundup of a few exciting recent developments in this space. You'll hear from the people behind some intriguing projects about how their work is shaping and strengthening the forests of the future. It may sound like something out of a science fiction movie, but artificial intelligence, or AI, is already being utilised across various industries for improved efficiencies and profitability. But how might it be applied in forestry? Well, we might be about to find out. The FWPA board recently gave its support for a bid to the Smarter Regions Cooperative Research Centre, or CRC, requesting a commitment to forestry-related initiatives of $200,000 annually for 10 years. This funding would enable projects designed to ensure the benefits of AI are maximised for forestry in Australia's regional areas. Sam caught up with Professor Mark Brown of the University of the Sunshine Coast and Program Leader of the Smarter Regions CRC to find out more. CRC stands for Cooperative Research Centre, which is a a Commonwealth Government funding model to support the integration of industry and research in Australia. And they can cover any topic that is seen as pertinent and and of interest to industry and effectively provide a co-investment with industry partners to lead that research. Right. So in this case, ourselves, along with eight other universities working with us, being led by the University of Adelaide, are working with about 20 industry partners on the principles of developing solutions that allow effective application of artificial intelligence for regional industries. So if we look globally, artificial intelligence is starting to emerge in just about any sector. And for the most part, rural industries or regional industries in Australia are probably not keeping up with the pace of some of that development. Forestry and agriculture, the wine industry, mining, uh, mineral industries and those kind of things. So these are all regional industries that play an important role in the Australian economy. And we're just looking to give them the competitive advantage that they can get from artificial intelligence. So could you tell me more about the Smarter Regions CRC specifically? So so within the Smarter Regions CRC, we we kind of recognise that what we're trying to achieve is going to require fairly strong buy-in and support on the ground, not just with the industry partners that are contributing and and effectively driving the projects, but also the people that work with those companies, the regions that they're going to have to be deployed in. So... In in recognition of that, part of our design or plan for the CRC is that we'll have up to 12 showcase regions that will have advisory committees from the community in those regions helping us communicate and deliver outcomes that we generate from the CRC into those regional communities. And could you just tell me a bit more about the industry partners? We have a 
a range of partners from wine, ag, forestry, minerals, local governments, regional tourism as the end user side of our partnership. Um, we also have a good suite of specialists and technology providers from IoT, sensor technologies, and artificial intelligence uh, developers. Okay, so as part of the project then, what are the kinds of things that you'll be looking at? We're really looking at the supply chain. So we've, we've got a range of different data sets and pieces of information that are available, but are relatively difficult to find the patterns and, and opportunities in terms of what do we do in forest management that gives us the best outcome for forest products at the end of the supply chain? How do we effectively change our decision process over as much as a 30-year lifespan of a plantation to respond effectively to dynamic markets? And artificial intelligence gives us kind of a leg up to make those changes in an informed way by accessing the best information as it develops and then informing the decisions around when to thin a forest, how important it is to deal with different pest and diseases situations as they arise, how to identify within the plantation where the fiber that will deliver the greatest value to the current market is available, and how to segregate that and deliver it to the market are all questions that we start to look at with AI. Okay. And are there any other examples of what AI might look like in forestry? We're looking at the ability to for example, track a log or a tree through the supply chain from the point where it's harvested in the plantation right, through until it becomes a commodity or product that's sold into the market, whether that be building timber or pulp and paper or some other product. And the, the advantage of that is that before the tree is cut, we have a whole lot of information about what genetic material was planted um, what kind of environment and soil condition that tree was grown in, what kind of management interventions were applied to that tree over its 10 to 30 year life, depending on what species it is. And then we cut it from the stump and we lose a lot of resolution in what we know about that tree because we then don't track it beyond there. And as it moves down the supply chain and goes into, let's say, for this example, it goes to a sawmill, a certain percentage of that tree will deliver high quality building timber. A certain number of trees or a certain proportion of the trees delivered will not. They just don't have the right strength and stiffness. Now, without the ability to know where that tree was grown and all that history that led to the tree that was actually turned into a product, it makes it very difficult for the industry to adapt moving forward. So that's, that's an opportunity that's represented by being able to effectively have AI pull those, all of those large pieces of data together and control them. So the, the first challenge is actually connecting, which the project we're doing at the moment is using artificial intelligence to look at images and either have stamped patterns in the end of the log so you can, every time you capture an image, you can use the artificial intelligence algorithm to confirm and verify what log that is. Right. And thus in the background, be able to tie all those data sets together and be able to make more informed decisions about why that tree did or did not make construction grade timber as a very basic example. And what does having access to that kind of knowledge allow the industry to do? If you can find the patterns, whether it's genetics or management decisions or soil conditions, you can then start to look at opportunities to improve the percentage of high value timber as a result moving forward. 
in simplest terms, it's getting the right product to the right market for the highest value and minimizing wastage or, or loss along the supply chain. So the, the next step of that is being able to say not only what amount of what quality material is available today as we harvest it, but saying with confidence what volume of that quality timber will be available in five and 10 years time based on what has been planted and how we manage that resource over the next decade. And what are the advantages of that? That allows either investment in new technology to use that material as it becomes available, or it gives confidence to existing processors that they can develop markets for that high value um, material into the future, knowing that the resource will be available and when it will be available for them to, to process to market. It's important to note that the 2021 call for CRC bids allowed Rural Research and Development Corporation funds to be matchable. The CRC forestry investment will therefore be matched by collective industry funding of an additional $200,000 annually, also for 10 years. This approach allows for the best leverage of industry funds. Provision of this in-kind support will come from forest growers and processors and will be coordinated and verified by FWPA as part of its commitment. This level of investment will position the forestry sector as a key regional industry partner of the CRC, greatly enhancing the opportunity to attract co-investment from key technology industry partners. Really interesting stuff there from Professor Mark Brown. And while I was chatting to Mark, Georgia was doing her own investigations into the latest project headed up by Dr Christine Stone of the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. Christine has led research projects around the use of remote platforms equipped with various types of sensors to capture high-resolution data that will aid plantation forest management. Now, a new FWPA-funded collaborative proof-of-concept project will focus on characterising the complex structure of Australia's native forests for the first time. Over the last 15 or 20 years, partially due to the commercial drive and incentives, a lot of this work has been focused on plantations, but it's not until very recently that people considered looking at native forests. Right. Um, native forests, as you know, are managed quite differently to planted timber estate. It's managed on multiple values. So it's not just productivity and volume in those native forests, which of course are very important. There's a suite of other indices that need to be monitored when you're, you're working with multi-value forests. Particularly a snapshot of this particular project. This project is trying to learn how to harness that information and pull out metrics that are meaningful for a whole range of multiple value indices that not just the industry, but governments who want to understand the trends occurring in these forests. Native forests are much more challenging to try and characterise than plantations. At the moment, we're focused on characterising the 3D structure of these complex forests What's the type of technology that's being used in this project? We're using LiDAR data principally, which gives you a 3D point cloud structural representation of what's there. (laughs) 
I'm just going to break off here for a second. For anyone unsure of the terminology used here, LiDAR technology stands for Light Detection and Ranging, which is a remote sensing method that uses light in the form of laser pulses. These pulses are used to generate point cloud data, the concept of which refers to the measurement of various points on an object's surface, which can then be used to create a 3D representation of that object. I hope that helps. And now back to Christine. The points can go right up to the top of the crown, so you get the tree heights mm. much more accurately than you would if you try and do it manually using a, uh, an instrument called a vertex. It can be complemented with photogrammetry, which is the passive camera data sets that can also be acquired in 3D. Things like colorizing the uh, LIDAR data sets that give you a really good visualization of what it's like to be in that plot. You download that into a virtual reality environment and you can start measuring components of that plot mm. on the screen. In addition, more recently, we can now use LiDAR sensors on the ground. People have always used terrestrial laser scanners, which is what the surveyors use, but those things you have to pick up and locate and it's quite, they're quite complex. But now they have these things called mobile laser scanners. And the one that a particular unit that's gaining a lot of interest is called a hover map. That is a laser scanner unit that you can either hold in your hand, put in a backpack, and walk into a, an area mm. and it collects enormous point cloud data, information on the structure of that plot. But now there's JEDI, which is a LiDAR sensor on a satellite. JEDI actually stands for Global Ecosystem Dynamics Investigation Mission. So it was prepared and uh, launched by NASA. It flies over, you know, around the world. It has three laser instruments that generate together eight beams that are fired at the Earth. Wow. And they're looking in particular improving the accuracy of biomass estimations and also habitat structure. NASA is already now providing uh, what they call spatial products that give you wall-to-wall -wall fused surfaces or maps of biomass of enormous areas of forests. So the idea is that you find a, a current or historic area of interest or forests and you clip out that area. So it, 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 it's certainly an important element, a component of our sampling program and it's going to be where monitoring of forests in the future will lie in that produces accurate canopy height models at 25 metres over millions of hectares. Mm. So in, if you're wanting to monitor these natural forests, this is the way to go. Where is the project currently at? For this particular project, we have already acquired the data using this hover map and simultaneously uh, we acquired airborne laser scanning data. So those data sets have now been acquired. We're in the process of checking that quality of the data. It's extremely important that when you do get huge on-ground data sets that you check there's no mistakes in it and sure. that actually takes quite a while. So as soon as that's done, we can then start modelling the on-ground reference data with the remotely sensed point cloud data, and that's the next phase. What are the benefits that this technology will bring to the forestry industry? Infantry timber attributes can be extracted using this data set, coarse woody debris or fuel load in terms of hazard fire risk. 
Principally, industry are looking at timber volume in that particular stand because in Eastern Australia, because of the fires, they have to be much more precise or accurate in where they go. Some areas where, for obvious reasons, the forests haven't yet recovered. What's there? What can they, you know, they're planning their operations, their harvesting operations. But also the the commercial government-sponsored agencies they are very conscious of the uh, ecological values within these stands. And if we can get the three-dimensional vegetation structure, it will help things like fauna habitat modelling to know, you know, where certain species may occur if they're rare endangered, for example. Importantly, there's also a, a work and uh, safety issue in that the people who go in there, the inventory crews, for example, don't have to push their way into dense forest to measure a particular tree only one person needs to go in and within 15 to 20 minutes they've got the data and they're out in the past it'll take two men several hours to do it and this is much more efficient and the data they collect is much more accurate the work of dr stone and her team really does get more and more fascinating doesn't it it really does Another project of interest that we learned about recently places a focus on the decades worth of data that underpins a tool developed to help Australian growers select radiator pine trees based on attributes associated with their pedigree that make them suitable for the conditions of their plantation. As this tool continues to become more sophisticated, the data itself is set to undergo a thorough reliability check. This work will help ensure grower decisions are made based on the most accurate information, which will prove vital for the current and future success of Australian forestry. Dr Richard Kerr, research geneticist at Tree Breeding Australia, told us more. There's no difference between breeding trees and breeding cattle. We want to identify genetically superior individuals. So we want plantations with improved yield and we want plantations with improved form. They look better, they, they grow straighter. Traditionally, how we identify a genetically superior individual is uh, we measure its progeny. You create trials where you place the progeny in, into these trials and you, and you wait half a dozen years and then you measure them, you measure their growth rate. And then the, the performance of the progeny is in the good indication of the parent. Here in Australia, we've been doing this ever since the 1930s in radiata pine. So we've got data going back decades. And we use all that historical data plus all the present data that we've been generating. We combine all the performance data over many decades into a complicated statistical procedure. And we end up with what we call in the industry an estimated breeding value, or EBV for short. The main reason we want to use genomic data is to reduce the generation interval. It's the difference between when an individual is born and when it produces its own progeny. And that interval can be very long in trees. Once you've identified this genetically superior tree that you want to use as a parent, you've got to sort of clone it into a breeding garden and prepare it so that it becomes reproductive and flowering. And genomic data was going to help us to decrease the interval so that we can actually clone it as soon as it's born. And we've been doing that probably the last three or four years now. We've been combining genomic data with all that traditional phenotyping information that's been collected over decades. Over the decades, there's been mistakes made. It's just part of the course. When you're breeding, you make mistakes. 
And so an added benefit of genomic data is that we can correct all those errors. We can identify that, hang on, this tree doesn't belong with this family. It's recorded mother cannot be the mother because the genomic data says it's not. And so we have this chance to do this one-off correction of all those mistakes we've made over the decades. And that will give us an immediate boost of up to 15% in genetic gain. And there you have it. Three projects out of the many happening right around Australia and internationally aimed at making our forests smarter and securing the future of the forestry industry. We'll watch with interest as these projects progress. We certainly will. And that's just about it for another episode of Woodchat. We hope you'll join us again next time. 